0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, the authentic flavor of the American West.
1: Oh, hi Reba, this is Severin, this is Greenhorn's Radio.
2: Hi Severin, how you
1: doing? I'm doing good, it's nice to hear your voice. Yeah, nice to hear your voice too. How's things? Well, things is good. We had a big rain and busy spring and lots of events and big weekend of farm hack and so it's just like kind of go go go. But it's good. Yeah, definitely. What's the news in the west? Me too. Say it again? What's the news in the West? The news in the West.
2: Well, I'm in New Mexico and I'm learning all kinds of things down in New Mexico you know I'm from Wyoming but I came down here to learn about things from Mark Schutz actually and also from a a rancher in southern Arizona named Dennis Moroni and Deb Moroni. so I've learned a lot of new ag techniques from them and I've been farming and attorneying and just learning all kinds of new things that I think are going to be beneficial for my life. And to benefit other people in agriculture.
1: So let's give a little introduction of what you do and what the expertise that you've developed so far has been around your mission and, and what's going on with your own family's ranch in Wyoming.
2: Okay. Well, what's, what I've been working on um, to, for my mission is, you know, I'm always orga- oriented towards being in production agriculture and I think that the thing that production people people in production agriculture need the most of is capital and it's not a little capital, you need a lot of capital. So I'm working in law and I'm using my uh my legal career to to generate capital for myself and I'm also speaking at some agricultural conferences in Arizona in June, to help other farmers and ranchers do kind of estate planning with their places and understand how the process works and how the other question that I'm going to be working on with the people in Arizona is how do you add multiple enterprises to your ranch to, to generate more income and cash flow so you've got a ranch. And it seems like there's a lot of room for a, a lot of different enterprises, and so that's something that people are experimenting with right now. And then at home in Hillsdale and Thigh Siding, they got all the calves branded, and all the calves are born on our ranch in Thigh Siding, And we haven't had any calves yet in Hillsdale because we won't start calving until about now. And then my dad is going to seed some alfalfa into our into our same field, so we can have um, so we can produce more hay this year. And we've got all of our, most of our lambs are born, and so that's, that's kind of what's going on.
1: So, so let's break it down. So the people who are, who are currently considering changing the shape of their farm and ranch enterprise are doing so uh-huh. because of what reasons? Why are they trying to diversify and add more enterprises? And what are some of the challenges that come from a legal you know, and, and management perspective what I've seen in my travels, because
2: it's... this is not really an idea that people are, are experimenting with so much in Wyoming, but more in the Southwest. Um, one example is one ranch got a packing plant onto the, on their ranch, and it wasn't USDA certified, but it was state certified. So they could sell their meat within the state of Arizona, and they had to set up a whole infrastructure for that. They had to build a building and hire employees. And and I think that that's a really good enterprise because um, there's not a lot of small packing plants. Another example that I saw was people were making adobes on their ranch. They had a really clay soil, so they were able to produce adobes. And adobes are very cheap to make, but they, you know, you can sell them for up to $2 in adobe. Other examples were from this ranch in Arizona. The farmer, well, the rancher down there, they were going to start producing bacanora, which is a type of mezcal or tequila. And they were they had a native population of agave on their ranch, and they were going to work on sustainably harvesting that agave to produce the bacanora. And they got a uh, they got a permit from the ATF to be able to produce 5,000. Gallons of Bacanora, which is quite a bit, and then the stuff that wasn't drinkable, they were going to use to fuel their vehicles. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Mark Schutz is I mean, he's, he does about ten different things on his place. He does the forestry and the restoration work, and he he does um, he does agricultural restoration. So, for instance, in Taos, New Mexico, the tax base makes it so that it's desirable to in agriculture and to not lose your water rights because your property taxes will be so high that that it um, is almost prohibitive. So people use Mark Schutz's services to keep their land in agricultural production and in turn he's able to harvest the hay and run his cattle on that land and provides a really incredible environmental service. So um, the legal things that go with that are how do you structure these things legally? Do you want to have them you, obviously, you need to have them in a legal structure, and the structures that are available right now are corporations, or partnerships, or limited liability companies. And so, a person needs to get with an attorney and and decide what what um, structure is the best for them. And then, an attorney's generally a good. A good attorney is linked in with an accountant, a certified public accountant, and the accountant will be able to help make the decision as well because. D- the different entities have different tax treatments, so there might be a specific tax reason that you would choose one of those entities. And then you w- you want to write your documents that govern those, so that th- that um, if the relationship doesn't work out, that everyone can end the end the operation or figure out a way to to not be in in a relationship with the people if it's not working out. So those are kind of the concerns: is how do you how do you legally with how do you legally structure them and and it really goes to the skill of the attorney in drafting the operating agreement and how well the attorney can pick out the issues um, of the particular enterprises that you're having on your farm or ranch. Does that kind of answer your question?
1: Yeah, it does. That's good. that's really good. And, and the other part is to answer well, why are people considering diversifying at all? Like, What's the point? of Yeah.
2: So one of the things I I've been thinking about this a lot and I think that agriculture in and of itself and then the reason that young people aren't doing it is because of the social isolation. I don't really think it goes to profitability because I think that people can make make decent livings on farms and ranches That is part of the problem, but I really do attribute a lot of it to social isolation. So one of the ways that people can overcome that is by inviting, having a lot more people on your ranch than, say, one family. So if you've got an enterprise that allows you to have 15 people around or 20 people around, I think that the social monotony of living in a really rural place is kind of broken up and it just becomes a more sustainable lifestyle. So I really, I really think that that would be one of the reasons. Another reason would be cash flow, and another reason would be because your ranch is particularly rich in a resource that you never um, developed as a farmer or rancher. You know, in a in a typical or traditional ranching operation, and so somebody might have the capital to to be able to develop those enterprises differently than you if you're just a hay farmer or a cattle rancher so I think that um, you just start looking at your land in different ways and you start looking at the you know I think the unbelievable opportunities that are available to you and I think that you can really live a rich life and have a lot of people around you and have a nice really fun time farming and ranching if you if you're willing to consider talk with people who are, who are doing these things and see if you can work them into your ranch and if, if keeping young people around and, and having more young people around is your objective and I think it is but most people don't know how to do it I think that they should really start seeking out the answer and to me the answer is one of the, one of the answers would be to add a, multiple, a different enterprise to your ranch and just have more people around you so that's why I think that you would want to do that
1: So that's beautifully said, and I agree that, you know, and in this last round of um, Senate hearings um, uh, with the Farm Bill hearing, OFRF sent around a really compelling sum up of, like, the reasons why the program support for sustainable agriculture is so critical. And one of the pieces of data that they sent out was that organic farming employs four times as many people, and that organic farms are 30% more profitable and that's on a per acre basis and so oh wow that's like,
2: amazing I think that's funny that I, I think that the attack on organic agriculture is that it's not as productive but if you say wow it's more profitable and it employs more people that's a really that's a good argument for sure
1: that's a seriously nice argument and um, there's a wonderful report for those of you who are interested in doing homework or writing up papers for school, it's called the Organic Jobs Report, and it's published by the Soil Association, which is out of um, England, and they go through and, and show you the data on where those jobs are and how those jobs, especially in aggregation, value-added, and processing um, food, uh, are a vital part of job creation in the organic marketplace, and, 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 you know, truly if you're talking about sustainability in terms of the economics. Viability of rural places, how all those jobs and roles and businesses are a part of rebuilding that um, economic viability. So, but hey, so here's another thing, Reba. Is Dennis Moroni with his 47 ranch? He has a vision yes, yes. around doing lots of enterprises and increasing the amount of jobs that are happening on the land base that he's got. And, and could you maybe talk a little bit about him?
2: Yeah. Um, Dennis and Deb maroney they have a a big ranch down on the border, and it's about 18 miles north of the border um, by Douglas, Arizona. And he is a cattle rancher, and they raise sheep. And these are Navajo churro sheep. And they also raise grass hay for their livestock. And they they have to purchase alfalfa hay. But um, they've done an interesting thing with their ranch in that They couldn't really afford to pay their hired man, so they said, why don't you just become a partner with us and and buy half these cows? So that's an interesting way of approaching the problem because it is really expensive to have an ag worker, especially if you're a farmer and rancher. So they just said, partner with us. And so Luke is their business partner, and he's not their hired man anymore. And he has half the cows and um, has to, you know, deal with the... Advantages or consequences of having that many cattle, and it's hard for him. But he's—I think—he's a lot more satisfied than than just being a ranch hand. And that he's the first generation of people who've, and his family who've ever become cattle owners. So they've been a long line of ranch hands, and I think that that's a really remarkable thing to, you know, bring someone into the ranching fold that way. Another thing that they do is with their sheep, they they uh market their lambs um, they don't sell them at the, they sell some of them at the sale barn but they are starting to market them uh, in a specialty meat market and they sell them at the they sell their frozen meat at farmers markets as well um they're just starting on that Bacanora project it's not uh, it's not going yet but it's it's in the works and they're really amazing they're completely off the grid they've got uh They've got all their electricity produced by solar power, and they store it in batteries, and if they get low on power, they've got natural gas generators. And also they're starting to get into different breeds of cattle. There's a cattle breed from Mexico called Criollo Cattle, and they're extremely hardy, and they're designed for that really dry and harsh country. And so they're just starting to experiment with that breed of cattle because it is the cattle that was selected for and bred in that country, and they're starting to bring them back. and the The ironic thing is that the quality of the meat on the Criollo cattle is outstanding, and they're just developing a market for that. Also, um, I don't know. I had a really good time. They've I have I really learned a lot, and they exposed me to a lot of different people, and. I think that there's a lot of really interesting agricultural things going on in the very arid Southwest about local foodscapes and things like that. And they're really worried about pollinators down there too. Um, they're starting to develop these ideas about building um, hedgerows, pollinator hedgerows, in your ag fields so that you can bring pollinators in and um, have enough pollinators to pollinate all your crops and um, I just felt like I learned so much down there and got exposed to some incredible energy and people and interests that I think are going to be so beneficial to me and then to my people in Wyoming also, just because I think it's wonderful to go out and explore and see what's going on in the world so you are more versed and have a lot more tricks and tools to guide people with. But that's what the Moronis are up to, and I still talk to them. But I'm working, I'm doing law projects right now to generate my income, so I'm not on that ranch right now. But,
1: but yeah, I, I had a great time. So many so many smart young women and so many smart young men are interested in farming, and, and sometimes they're coming from non-agricultural backgrounds, like they're already, you know, had kind of mid-career, and they've done work as an accountant or in the, in the kitchen, in, you know, in the food business or in related fields. And, you know, I have a wonderful friend in New York who, has been working as a pastry chef and a lawyer, completely with her sights on farming, for the last ten years. Yeah. But you know, with a very realistic understanding that, in order to have working capital to get started, that she's going to have to you know save up, maybe a little bit yeah. of counsel, just from a personal, from a like psychological and you know how. Ha- perspective, like, what's it like working in an office when what you want to be doing is being outside,
2: and, and how do you... How do you <laughs> I don't know if I can put it into words, ever, and I think that... Um, I, I, I don't know. It's something that I haven't entirely worked out in, in my own personality yet, because I've never spent a lot of time working in an office, so this is really new to me. So I don't know if I'm equipped to answer that question yet. If you ask me in a year, I might be able to tell you a little bit easier. But well, we'll ask, ask it's, a, it's, it's hard. But I think there's a lot of capital you can generate in the law business. That's a beautiful thing about it. I encourage, I encourage farm and ranch kids to go to law school. I think it's it really opens up a lot of opportunities for people. It is incredible what becomes available to you. Mm-hmm. So. It's, oh, positive. it's positive. I think it's positive.
1: You're running for
2: public office, Reba. You're running for public office?
1: No, you could.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do that, definitely. What what office did you have in mind?
1: I don't know yet. We'll see in a year. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, so the last thing is just maybe we can talk about um, the Huvira Coalition, which is where we met. and. Um, yes, yes. If you have a chance to go again next year or, or just kind of generally for those who are, say they're in Wyoming and they're trying to get oriented to this wonderful project of diversifying farms and ranches, um, where you look for inspiration, guidance, and support um, in your own life and, and suggestions? Yeah. For them.
2: Um, I, I plan to attend the Career Coalition
1: meeting this year. I believe the topic's how to,
2: how to feed 9 billion people. And I think that the speakers are going to be remarkable. It was truly remarkable last year. I had a fantastic time. And uh, the places that I look to for inspiration and ideas are just in continually talking to people. I absolutely love that. I'm very social. And I think that there is, uh, the, there is a lot of need for dialogue, and I get a lot of energy from that. I I enjoy it very much, and it inspires me and gives me energy to keep going. So I I keep talking to people and learning about more innovative people in agriculture. I love young people in agriculture, and I like to spend time talking to young people. And I I spend time farming and ranching, too. I, I don't work in an office all the time. So that gives me a lot of energy to keep pursuing my dreams and my agricultural aspirations and my law aspirations. And I'm really appreciative of being able to do this interview because it just puts more... Energy out into the world about who young people are and who who are doing this kind of work, and there's a lot of interesting things going on. You just have to keep going, keep learning, and that's really where I get my inspiration from.
1: Well, I'm inspired. I'm inspired listening to you, and I can't wait for our next year check-in to see how it's all going. Um, Thank you. So, I
2: think that's going to be fun.
1: I think that's going to be fun.
2: Uh, so this is yeah. another episode of Greenhorn Radio And if people want to get in touch with you Can they do it on I think you have a website, don't you? Well, I have an e- email address It's rebaepler at com, And you can get a hold of me that way And I'm also on Facebook Just look my name up, Reba Epler And so you'll find me Reba. I've I've written some articles too You'll find my articles online Oh, yeah and I believe that, that, art, that I shared with you an article that I just wrote for the Diablo Trust as my bio. So that will kind of give you, if, if anybody's interested in reading that, um, more a detailed look at what I'm, what I'm talking about.
1: And that's especially around succession and diversifying farm businesses and state planning and figuring out the leading uh-huh. aspects of the viable farm and ranch business.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what it's about, and young people in agriculture, and some of the social issues that go along with very rural ranch life. Because so, it's very, it's real. I, I mean, we have to, we have to address these problems, and I think that um, that is very, very real.
1: Well, it's nice because I mean, it out. this is like so often. This is my this is my my mantra over and over again. I say it has to be fun. It has to have cultural sponginess and everyone has to be like having enough to kvetch and gossip and flirt about. And it's you know, it's nice to talk on the phone with you and on the radio, whatever. And, you know, hear that really echoed from your your own experience in growing up in ranch country and craving more connection with your peers.
2: So Thank you so much for saying it like that. I appreciate it.
1: Well thank you all for connecting with us over the internet and thank you all for farming and for listening, and for doing the good stuff. It's spring, get busy, be happy, don't get sour, and uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, (laughs) (laughs) Reba. Thank you very
2: much, Severn. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store.
1: You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.